This is Unplugged, a series of conversations with creative minds from the design industry and beyond, hosted by H&H. So hello everyone, today we have Scottish artist Stephen John Clark with us. Hello Stephen, how are you? Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well. Where are you speaking with us from today? I'm in Melbourne, Australia. This is where you're based, right? Yeah. yeah, I've been based here for nearly 11 years now. Oh, wow. Cool. So tell us something about yourself. What, what do you do? Where are you from? And why are you in Melbourne now? Well, look, the reason, the reason why we're in Melbourne, me and my wife came out here about 11 years ago. Um, it was only meant to be for a holiday, but we ended up really loving Melbourne and de- decided to stay. So, yeah, we were, it was only meant to be a short visit. We were planning to move back to London, actually, after finishing our uh, university in Manchester uh, to continue our, our design journey. Um, but, yeah, it just never worked out that way. So we, we find ourselves here now. It's been a bit of a journey. It's very, very winding road. It's uh, to, to get me to this uh, stage at this moment in time. Yeah, I bet it's, it's very beautiful and very different atmosphere there in, in Melbourne. So let's start with your work and your career. How did you start? Tell us about your story. I think the story really starts way back when I actually uh, left school at uh, 16, because at that moment in time, I had no... Yeah, for, in, for instance, if somebody had told me at 16 that I was going to be making sculptures out of stone um, and, and painting and, and all this kind of thing, um, I, would have, I would have told them that they were pretty much a liar because um, I was heavily into playing soccer at that, that time, football, uh, and I, I really thought that was going to be my destin- destiny then, you know, professional football player. But yeah, I left school at 16 and um, became a stonemason, but then quite quickly... Two, three years later, I was getting pretty tired of living in my, my small village. And I had been going to a lot of um, festivals, music festivals and stuff. And when I was at these festivals, um, there was a lot of people that were wearing like mad like costumes and all this kind of thing. So I thought to myself, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to make, uh, I'm gonna attempt to make some costumes. So I got my granny's sewing machine out and started making costumes. And then before you knew it, I was making these kind of things for some of my friends as well. And then that led me into thinking that, well, not thinking, it actually led me into really being quite inspired by fashion. So I, I decided to uh, apply for a college course, which was in Glasgow. But at the time, that was really quite, yeah, it was, it was a bit strange to my family and friends that I'd went from being a football playing stonemason in a small village. And my, my village has only got like 600 people in it. So I come from a very small area, a uh, collection of towns and villages in Scotland. And uh, yeah, it kind of caught them off guard. So yeah, I, I went to Glasgow, studied um, fashion for textiles. Then I ended up doing just textiles. Then I applied for an embroidery degree in Manchester. And I, I went to Manchester, done my embroidery degree and came over to Melbourne after that. Pretty much left all of that behind, all the design, all anything creative and just worked as a stonemason for about five, six years. And then I was starting to get a little bit itchy, a little itchy feet, wanted to really kind of get back into doing some creative things, but just never ever thought it was really going to come to anything, to be honest. 
uh, one of my wife's friends asked me to make her a stone plinth. Um, I made her a stone plinth and everyone got really excited about this stone plinth. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll make a few more of these. And that was literally four and a half years ago, five years ago. Oh, so it's still pretty new for, for you in a way. Yeah. yeah, very, very new. Yeah. Uh, I would say that like I've been doing it for about four and a half years, but I've really only really been a business for about two Oh wow! But uh, congratulations! I mean, the, um, the the results and the work we we're we're seeing is amazing. Thank you. So, help us to understand what does a stonemason do? What was the work like? Yeah. So, stone. There's kind of two types of uh, stonemasons that I um that were at my the company I worked for back home in Scotland when I left school at sixteen. And one was called a banker stonemason. So this is a this is a person who takes the stone, sculpts it into all different shapes and mouldings and stuff for for a lot of the historic Scotland uh, type buildings. And then they would give that stone to the installer stonemason. And I was more so the installer stonemason at the time. So I had a, a real strong uh, background in bricklaying as well. Um, and that I actually went to college to uh to study bricklaying but then i would use the bricklaying skills to then apply that to actually laying the stone i, I left stonemasonry when i was 19 to, to study fashion and i really thought like i was i'm never touching stone again i really didn't see, see it as being anything at all creative at all and um yeah it's strange how things come around yeah but i think the the skills and, and the experience you you built and you developed a very important for your work now. And I yeah. think the, 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 the work you're doing is so fluid and so free. And I read that you mentioned that your work is a response to, to the uniformity and perfection of the design industry. Maybe you can tell us something more about your view. Yeah, so I, th I think once I had established um, that I was going to move into making these stone objects because I had actually decided to leave leave work as a stonemason. I then realized quite quickly that I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to make. And I felt like it was a lot, there was just too much pressure on making art. Uh, and I, I felt like that in terms of making money from art. And it just felt like there was a little bit too much pressure in that, in that sense. So I first looked to make um, some plant pots and then that led me on to making some more uh, uh, kind of furniture object based pieces. And I was always caught up with how, even though you get an extremely um, gifted craftsman, he, he makes a table, but it's it's so perfect that you could near enough be made by a robot. So I, I really seen myself made and coming in at a different angle and giving things a lot of imperfection that allowed for it to have a bit more character. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I even name all my pieces, actually, I give them names, is because I'm hoping that people have some sort of relationship with them. And this idea of fast fashion and fast kind of furniture objects where people buy things and when they move to their next home, they don't take them because they're going to buy something again. I really hope that when I make a piece that they kind of get attached to, to this and uh, all its imperfections. And even if it gets chipped, it still kind of works in with, with it and they move on with, with the piece. Just like you used to have an old car and it used to have a name and you used to call it old Betty and you used to drive it, you know what I mean? Something like that. 
Yeah, but I really like that uh, uh, you name all your work. I think that's a very nice, a very thoughtful, thoughtful thing to do. But mm. what does the, the names come from? How do they come from? A, a lot of the time there'll be uh, people I know, family members, or then just uh, sometimes attached like a kind of more ridiculous name with, with a piece. <laughs> it's just all, it's really to try and bring some humor to it and, and not feel too uptight and hopefully get the reaction I'm getting from you right now where you're getting a smile and a bit of a laugh. So what's the name of the work behind you? The, this piece here? Yeah. Ga uh, Flowers for Gary. Mm, okay, this is from uh, one of your recent shows, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Can you tell us yeah. something about the show and the, the, the work behind you? So I've kind of got three, three components to how I go about my work. I've got Den Home, which is um, more furniture, object-based pieces. And then I, I go under my own name, Stephen John Clark, for all things. Uh, and now I've, I've just done a show not long ago for the first time, uh, painting. So I've done some paintings as well. Um, and then entered into making some resin and polystyrene pieces. So this was my first ever attempt polystyrene resin piece. And it takes the motif from a stone flower we made during um, COVID, uh, we thought it would be a nice idea to, whilst people at home, to get a flower sent out that couldn't die anywhere, you know what I mean? It was just um, a nice piece. So we'd done a bit of a giveaway and gave out this stone flower, which at the time I really thought was was going to just be the end of it. We made 10 of them. It really made a connection with, with our uh, audience. Yeah. And uh, we ended up making it, making a few more of them. And you know how, how it happens. You have a certain motif and then you kind of you take it and stretch it out and try and put it into other forms and this is where we're at just now nice and you said this is your first piece with raisin right yeah so yeah. before you you mainly work with stone so how well you, you have a very long relationship with stone yeah and how how do you see this material why, why is it so special for you i think that it's i get really excited by all materials um, I don't really ever see myself just working in one material ever. It's just I have a much better understanding mm -hmm. of stone. So I have the I have the skills, skill set and the knowledge behind understanding how to approach it. Not only approach it in the, the normal fashion, but to come in from a, another angle. And I think that angle has been from a fashion textile background. So I've kind of merged them both together and use the, the hand skills that I've, that I've naturally got because of the amount of time I've spent with stone um, to come up with, with the pieces that I've made up to date. But really, it's just the beginning, hopefully. We're, we're working on many other other things at the moment in time and, and, and using different types of materials. But it, it becomes a little bit more difficult because you have to get other people involved, logistics, so it doesn't happen as fast. And I think that's what I really love about working with the stone is that I, I can start it and finish it. So that's why I like the stone so much. So when when you start exploring new material or new way of, uh, of producing or creating, how do you start um, your creative process from the idea to the final object? It's mainly uh, we work by, or I should say, I work by uh, sketching to begin with. But it's really basic, continuous line type sketch to get some motifs. And then to understand, I'll have different types of motifs within my within my sketch. And some, you know, for a fact, will work better in different materials. So I'll then use the particular motif that I like and try and work into, into a new material. 
So at the moment we're um, trying to make some mirrors uh, and some of the some of the work that we've done up to date, <clears throat> which I thought would transfer quite nicely, actually isn't working. It's an interesting process at the moment that I'm finding working in, in new materials. Yeah, but I think that's also very exciting to explore all the new unknown. Yes, it's extremely exciting. So if I if I or someone want to commission a work from you, how do we start? So, so you obviously you'll get in contact because you like a particular piece or you've seen something on uh, on the Instagram, uh, which is just like crazy how powerful that uh, tool is for any creative um, starting out on their own. So you'll maybe show me a few pieces that you like and give me an indication of what you're after, whether it's a side table or console or whether it's a sculpture. And then I really need to understand the space that it's going in. I also really like to understand who I'm making it for as well. So we'll ask for some images of the place. Uh, also, maybe even some key pieces of furniture or art that, uh, that, that you like. And maybe even some emotive words that you want to try and capture within the piece. And then I'll go off and I'll make some sketches, just quite simple line sketches, but a lot of energy in the piece. You'll look over these and then um, we take that sketch and then that's the last time. There's no um, updates. You get the final piece and that's it done. So that's a, it's a very trusting process for the client, I would say. Yeah, I always find it uh, very fascinating the, the way it's kind of like you're creating together. But as you say, the trust is very important too because I guess um, as a client or, or as, a, as a commissioner, we need to give you the freedom to create as well. Yeah, and I, I've had done so many now and um, there has been some really interesting, quite difficult ones. And I feel like whenever I come across those ones, it's maybe when it feels too much pressure at, at the beginning or too many questions or maybe changing of mind and not believing in or, or wanting exactly uh, the piece that I've made in the past. If, if it is a commission, I, I really stay true to the fact that I'm not going to replicate the, the piece that I've made for the last client because I, I, I really want to honor the fact that this is has been a custom piece and then we need to move on uh, to the next piece. But that sometimes can be quite a, bat a battle. Yeah, it's a, it's a very exciting process, I guess, for the client. Yeah. I, I think, to be honest, I, I must get some sort of thrill out, out of it because it is a lot of pressure in, in that last couple of days before you, you show the, the work over. But I think that's the, yeah, the adrenaline and I enjoy the most. Do you also work with other artists or do you collaborate with other creators? Not to, up to this date. It's not for not wanting to. I've just been so, it's been so busy. I can't, I, like, it's just insane. We just moved to a new factory, which was probably five times bigger than, the, when I first started, it was basically just in two little garages. So we moved to this factory in November during COVID, during all the lockdowns and stuff. So it's been a lot to tackle. Mm. It's all very, very exciting, but sometimes you're just like, geez, get matched. Very true. So if you if you have the chance to choose someone to work with or to collaborate with or to create a piece for, who, who would this be? Well, look, to, to be honest, the, the person who got me thinking of coming into this realm when I was at university, because I always thought that I was going to, into fashion but I soon realized whilst at university that maybe the fashion world wasn't really the right fit for me 
and I came across Max Lambs. And I think that was the first time where he, just the process of how he, how he approaches a material, works out a process and then has an end result. That was really quite similar to the, the way I approached my embroidery degree, which is textiles. It's the, same, it's the same idea. You grab a material and you try and twist it, turn it, poke holes in it, you know what I mean? Do as many different things as you possibly can. And when I seen him actually approach it in another way and actually come up with an object slash piece of furniture or slash piece, piece of mm. art, that was, uh, that was the moment where I thought, yeah, this is probably what I, w- I want to do. So if I had the opportunity to work with anybody in the world, it would, uh, yeah. Cool. I think, I think the process, how he works, is really, is really make you think or, or, or trigger some like, ideas from everyone. So really I like yeah. his work too. I would love to have the, the opportunity to work with uh, some quarries or, you know what I mean, some, some big business and, and turn maybe a, a material that they have uh, and, and go through that same process as, as Max. I think that'd be a definitely a privilege to do that on that scale. Cool. So how is the, how is the creative scene in Melbourne or in Australia? How is it like being an artist and creating and living in Australia? I never really got the opportunity to work as a creative back home in Scotland or, or in Britain. So I, I can only say what it's like really here. I have a few friends that work back in the industry back home and they say it's all very cutthroat and nobody really wants to give anything away. They're very like, oh, keep a hold of it. But Melbourne's great. Everyone's really super friendly. It's quite a small community and I've really been backed quite heavily, I feel, uh, with a lot of support from people in Melbourne and Australia ever since it started. So I I really think there's some great stuff coming out of Melbourne and and Australia. It seems to be a really quite a growing market. Mm. see a lot of people popping up all over the world now. So it's quite exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. Do, would you say that uh, um, geographically it's, it's a problem for you to communicate your work or there's no problem at all because of all the social media and online platforms and, and stuff like that? How is it like for you? I, th- I think in terms of communicating, I think it's not, it's not a problem as long as you're able to communicate visually quite strongly because social media need, needs you to do that. Um, I think where you have to battle is getting the consumer overseas to have the confidence in your piece and also the confidence of getting it shipped over. And, and also the, the price point can kind of blow out sometimes a little bit in terms of, because obviously it's stone, mm-hmm. so it's quite heavy. But that's just naturally happening over time. I really thought it would happen a little bit quicker sometimes. Also, my wife tells me it's, it's happening really fast. So sometimes I can be a little bit like, oh, I need, I need it now. You know I mean? That kind of, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a go-getter like that. No, I, I think it's really manageable nowadays just with the power of social media. It's such a yeah. extremely powerful. Uh, yeah, very true. So would, is it the first time you will be showing in Dubai? Yes. Cool. So what, what kind of message you want to bring to the, the audience there? Or how, how, how would you like them to see your work or to perceive your work? That's a really, really good question, actually. I've never really thought about it as like that before. So um, I, I just hope that whenever somebody sees my, my piece that they catches their, their eye and they spend time trying to understand it. The idea I've always had, if, uh, if it's a 360 piece, is that 
the viewer will walk around the piece and never really know exactly what's happening as they're walking around it. So hopefully they can't, like if, if you've got a, a mug or a, an object in front of you, you really know what's going to kind of look like on the back before you've even seen it. And the idea behind the pieces I make, it's a bit of a journey and it, it usually changes a lot. So hopefully the viewer will spend a lot of time looking at it. Great. I think we're very much looking forward to this new journey and this new experience with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for taking time with us. And uh, we will speak more when your piece arrived in Dubai. Very exciting. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Have a good day. Bye. Ciao.